Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Southfield. It's a beautiful day outside, but I'm glad we get to worship together in here. This week, you may have received an email from Southfield Church, or from Dennis in particular. Um, If you didn't receive an email and you would like to receive an email, we need to take care of that. But you were asked to read Romans 6 to prepare for this morning. And as as I was reading through that, I came to verse 14, and it just really stuck with me. And And in the message, it says, sin can't tell you how to live because you're not living under that tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. We are free. We are free to worship and we are free to live without those chains, without those shackles on ourselves. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. We are in this season that's known as Lent, 40-day season, a time to be able to reflect a little more deeply than we do sometimes, a time to really focus in on the condition of our souls, to ask ourselves, so, so where do we really stand with God? Not that we don't do that all the time, but we know that there are certain seasons that, that it's just really helpful to, to take our focus and, and narrow it in. And as we've been doing that, we've been talking about defining our relationship with God recognizing that when, when a couple is uh, starting to get closer, they have this de- definitional moment, a moment where questions are asked that kind of get down to, so, so who are we, how are things going, how are we moving along? And, and we're taking some of those uh, defining questions and asking them about our relationship with God. Actually taking the moment to imagine Jesus looking us in the eyes and asking questions like, uh, what are we? What, what's, what is this relationship all about? Asking questions like, are we just friends or is there something more going on here? Uh, Jesus really looking into the heart of our soul and asking, you know, where does this relationship stand? If you were to ask when my father asks me what's going on between us, what do you want me to tell him? What should I say? Or maybe in a far more demanding way, he says, I need to know where this relationship is headed and I need to know now. We've been in this series for five weeks and we've asked these questions every week. And I know sometimes when you do something every week, people kind of zone out and think, okay, those two minutes are done. Now there are 28 more minutes to go in the sermon. Uh, No, don't do that. We really want to make sure the reason we keep asking them again and again is because we want you to be able to identify where you are in that relationship with God, to be able to really define it. And we've, we've brought some definition to that relationship. The fact that we're forgiven. Our sins have been forgiven. And that counts both for what's happening here in this life as well as for the life to come. We talked about being followers of Jesus, that we're always growing in our devotion to Christ. And, you know, there may be times that we fall off the path, but then we get back on that path and continue following We talked about what it means to be a friend to God. Not just to have God as my friend, but actually be a person that is a friend to God. And then last week we talked about what it meant to be filled. To be able to look Jesus in the eyes and say, I am filled. I am guided and controlled by your Holy Spirit. I asked you during the week through an email to read Romans 6. And to maybe take the time to guess what the next 
uh, DTR is. What's the next definition of our relationship? And for today, we're looking at I'm free. Uh, As soon as I sent that out, somebody read that chapter apparently very fast and wrote back, I'm free. We're going to look at what it means to be a free person today. Now, when I use the word free, I promise you, there are some images that come to your mind. Some that may not be at all related to what we're talking about today. Some of you think of freedom this way. Whether it's uh, a hand glider, parasailing, or, or bungee jumping, you know, that, that rubber band you hurdle off a cliff and, and your brain is headed straight to the earth and then bounces back up. I promise you in this lifetime, you will never see me do this. I give you permission when I'm dead, like the day before my funeral, if you want to tie this to my leg and head send me, I'll go. But prior to that, while I am alive, I will never do this. You call this free? I call this frightening. But yeah, it's a free fall. And someone else, when they think of free, they might think of this sweet little bird in that line. If you love something and set it free, and it comes back, then it's yours. And then the more cynical twists, if it comes back, bash its brains out, whatever. But anyway, we'll leave that part alone. <clears throat> of course, when you think free, you've got to think money. Buy one, get one free. That's where our head goes a lot of times when we talk about things not costing anything. Some of you go to loftier, more grand thoughts. You, you think of being an American, freedom of speech, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. The basic freedoms were guaranteed. Freedom of religion, freedom of expression, freedom to bear arms. And, and, and you go in that direction. There, of course, is the whole free as it's related to diet. We have fat-free Sodium-free, gluten-free, meat-free, flavor-free. I mean, you, you name it. We, we just have all these different approaches. I look at that picture on, on my computer screen. I wonder what it looked look like up there. I don't know about you, but I look at that and I just think, that is the driest looking. I need some gluten-filled milk just to get that down my throat. I mean, that's, that's a, but whatever. Free time. Oh, wouldn't it be great to just have some free time? To, to all of a sudden get an extra hour that you weren't planning on. You can do whatever you want with the next hour. It's yours. It's free. When I think freedom, I think of something like this. I think of freedom from bondage. I think I've been released. I'm no longer tied up. I'm no longer captive. And that's where we're going today. Because if you come to a place in your life that you've trusted in Christ as your forgiver and leader, you experience freedom from sin. You're free from sin. Now, I use that word this morning and some of you go, man, Dennis, you're getting a little old. When do you get up to date? I mean, sin. Why do you use the word sin? In your mind, you got this image of like this, you know, this really old Southern Baptist preacher and he's got his polyester blue suit on and big fat neck and he's kind of sweating. He's up there. Do you sin and sinners? And you know, you got that thing going. You're like, oh, I don't like that word. You know, why don't you use a word like mistake or, or error in judgment or youthful indiscretion? That just sounds so much more polite. It sounds so much nicer. Here's the thing about those terms, mistake, error in judgment, youthful indiscretion. I can do all of those and they're not necessarily sins. They're not necessarily morally wrong. Today, if I drive out of here, get onto Route 6, head over to 55, and take a right, expecting to get to Chicago. In about five hours, I'm going to see this glistening stainless steel arch, and I'm going to realize I went the wrong way. Did I sin? Did I sin by going south instead of north? No, I just, I just don't. I need a GPS. I need a friend. I need something to tell me. You're going the wrong way. But 
But that's not a, that's not a, a moral error. That's not a, I, I didn't, I didn't sin. I just made a mistake. I use the word sin in part because that's the word the Bible uses. The Bible says we've sinned against God. The Bible refers to us as people who have sinned, who are sinners. Uh, further, I use the word because it has moral implications. You can't sin and not do wrong. You can make a mistake and not do wrong. But if you sin, there's a moral implication. You've done something wrong. And a sin ultimately is a violation against a holy God. The Bible tells us that if we have a relationship with God through Christ, we are free from sin. We're free from sin. I want you to see a couple of great verses in the Bible. Jesus in John chapter 8 verse 56 says, So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. The truth of the word of God speaking today. That if you've been set free by the Son of God, you are truly free. Also in John chapter 8, Jesus says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you know why so many of us are in spiritual bondage? Because we believe our feelings and we don't believe the truth. We believe our experience and we don't believe the objective truth of what the Bible says. I mean, if you took the time to read through Romans chapter 6, it talks about the objective truth of your relationship to Jesus and your relationship to sin. And it has nothing to do with your feelings. It has nothing to do with your experience. I love Romans chapter 6. It's a great chapter of the Bible. It's, it's kind of hard to say great chapter. Obviously, they're all great chapters. I mean, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I think God did a great job with the Bible. It, it should stay the way it is. But Romans chapter 6, the thing that's so wonderful about that chapter is it goes into detail describing your relationship to Jesus and the way you relate and I relate to sin in our lives. And the fact that we have freedom from sin because we have a relationship with Christ. I'd encourage you, if you find yourself feeling like you're living in bondage, read that chapter again and again. And instead of believing your feelings or your experience, start believing what is written. Start believing the truth. So how are we free from sin? Well, if you look at that chapter, the first thing it says is that we're free from the penalty of sin. Uh, The most common verse in that chapter is the very last verse. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There isn't a person in the room that doesn't understand wages. I mean, you may be uh, 46, you know, heading into the height of your career. You may be six years old and doing chores around the house. Doesn't matter. You get the concept of wages. You know that you've got, a, you've got an arrangement with an employer. And if you show up at a certain time and stay for a certain length of time, and if you do a certain thing, if you make enough widgets, if you make enough calls, if you do whatever your job is, at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the pay period, you're going to get a check. A check that you've agreed on, this is the amount that I'm supposed to get for the work that I did. If after that two-week period, the boss were to come to you and say, hey, here's a pair of chickens. Thanks for the work. You'd go, those chickens are great, but we agreed that I'm supposed to get a check. I'm supposed to get some money. You keep your chickens. I want my check. Sin has a paycheck. And the paycheck is death. And death comes in two ways. Physically and spiritually. The second that Adam and Eve sinned, they started to die. Kind of a sober thought. The second that we are born, we start to die. Because of sin. There's a paycheck for sin. 
physical and spiritual death. Through what Jesus did for us, we are free from that spiritual paycheck of sin. We are no longer separated from God. Remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about being God's friend, the Bible describes us as enemies of God. But because of what Jesus did for us, we are free from the penalty of spiritual death, that separation from God. And so now we can enjoy eternity with God. But remember, like we said before, it's not just about then and there. It's not just about heaven. It's also about here and now that we can enjoy a relationship with God here today. So for every one of us that have trusted in Christ, if you're looking Jesus in the eyes right now, you can say, I am free. I'm free from the penalty of sin. Most of us get that one, and we're good with it. It's the rest of the chapter that we need to let sink into our souls. Because Paul goes on to say that we're free from the power of sin. And for a lot of us, when it comes to our experience and to our feelings, we do not believe we are free from the power of sin. We believe we are in bondage to sin. We believe we have no choice. When we do something wrong, we act like a victim. I had no choice. What could I do? But the Bible says I'm not only free from the penalty of sin, I'm free from its power. Look at Romans 6 with me. Starting with verse 1, it says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. I'm going to just stop on that first first. A couple things going on here. There were people in that church that actually believed that it was kind of a great evangelistic tool to sin a lot to prove that God was very forgiving. The more I sin, the more I can prove how gracious God is. Now imagine this in a marriage relationship. If you decided that, that in order to prove how gracious your spouse is, you know, out have an affair, come home and said, hey, I have an affair, do you forgive me? Oh, well, of course I forgive you. Oh, see, look how gracious my spouse is. And you go do that again. Oh, my spouse is so gracious. I mean, we look at that in a human perspective and we say, that's absurd. That is foolish. Nobody would ever do that. We care too much about the relationship with our spouse. We care too much about our relationship with God to do the same thing. We would not continue sinning somehow to say, look at how gracious God is. On the other hand, we say, I love God too much to want to continue to do the wrong thing. Now, he uses that term, keep on sinning. I don't know about you, when I became a believer, I sinned after I became a believer. And I sinned again, and I sinned again, and I sinned again. And you go, well, wait a second, I thought we were supposed to stop sinning. That's not what this passage is saying. It's not talking about the fact that we won't from time to time do the wrong thing. It's saying that when we become a believer, we should not find ourselves enmeshed in a lifestyle of sin. Where we're in an ongoing, continual pattern of just doing the wrong thing and saying, I know that's what God says, but so what? I want to do what I want to do. It's a violation of our relationship with Him. So, so we're not going to keep on sinning to prove God's grace. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of God the Father, so now we live new lives. So every one of us, once we become a believer, we're living a new life, a life that is free from the bondage, the power of sin. Keep going in this chapter, verse 5, Paul says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. 
we know that our old sinful self was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. And this is one of multiple times that Paul is going to say, sin no longer has power over you. You can imagine right now the crucifixion of Jesus. You see it in your mind. Jesus hanging on a cross. At that same time, your sins were hanging on the cross with Jesus. He paid for those sins. We died and were buried with Christ in his baptism. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Keep going in this passage. Look at verse 9. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Consider yourselves. What he's saying is, start thinking biblically. Start thinking the truth of what the Bible says. And the truth of what the Bible says is you are free from that bondage. You don't have to sin. You do have a choice to do the right thing. If you keep going in the passage, verse 12 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Jesus' death breaks sin power in your life. It gives you the choice to say no. It gives you the power to say no. It gives you the freedom to say no. So as you're thinking about your identity, you can say, I'm free. I'm free from the power of sin. Look at verse 14. Very important. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirement of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Here's the truth. Not what you you feel. Here's the truth. You have the freedom and the ability to say no. You can say no. You have the power to do the right thing. God has given you that kind of freedom. Now, you keep going. Here's another thing that we're free from. I'm free from the pressure to sin. I no longer am pressed to sin. Now, you hear that and you think, wait a second, Dennis. You've been living in pastor land way too long. You're never tempted. You're never tempted. I mean, I'm tempted all the time. And and you're saying that we're free from the pressure of sin. Uh, You might even be thinking, wow, if if I'm supposed to be temptation-free, I must not be a Christian. Well, If you look at what the Bible says, it's clear that once we are Christians, we will be tempted from time to time. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to become more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you the way out so you can endure. In fact, if you look at Mark or any of the other Gospels, you find that the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Now, the truth is, we're still going to be tempted. And even though we experience temptation, we are free from the pressure, the pressure to sin. We don't have to. I want to point something out really quick here. In James 1, 
It talks about temptation. And it also talks about trials and testing. And as you're reading that passage, it can get a little bit confusing. You're like, okay, the Bible says God never tempts me. It says God tests me. And what's the difference between the two? I think it really has to do with intention. Satan tempts us to get us to sin. He wants us to do the wrong thing. God tests us or put trials, puts trials in our lives to try to get us to do the right thing. He, he wants us to grow. He wants us to make the right choice. The funny thing is sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between is this a temptation or is this a trial? doesn't matter which it is. Just do the right thing. Choose to do the right thing. Paul keeps going in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. He says, well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. How am I free from the pressure to sin? I'm no longer a slave of sin. I'm not a slave anymore. In fact, the Bible says just the opposite. It says now that you're a believer, you're a slave to God. You're a slave to righteousness. You're a slave to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. Verse 17. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you become slaves to righteous living. So God says, hey, you don't have to. The pressure of sin is gone. Verse 19, because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led to ever deeper sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you can become holy. Paul keeps going by saying, when you were slaves to sin... You were free from the obligation to do what is right. What a great way to put that. When I was a slave to sin, I wasn't obligated to do the right thing. But now that I'm a slave of righteousness, I am obligated to do the right thing. And what was the result? Oh, you, are not, you are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin. There he is again. And have become slaves to God. Now you do the things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And he wraps up the whole chapter again where we started. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every person in this room, if you've trusted in Christ as forgiver and leader, you can say today with confidence, I am free. I'm free from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, the pressure of sin, That's what the Bible says. It says it very clearly. I am free. So you may wonder then, okay, so how do we go about experiencing the freedom? Because honestly, even though you are in that state, you're saying, but it don't feel very free. How are you experiencing it? Well, there are three ways, really. The first is we experience it through the design of our salvation. Salvation was designed to give you that freedom. So in a sense, it's, it's the key that goes into the lock. Uh, this is something you don't even have to do except accept Christ as your forgiver and leader. And by the design of salvation, you are set free. Further, it happens through desire. The desire to do the right thing. The desire to stop doing the wrong thing. I want to do what is right. Galatians chapter 5, again Paul writes, So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. 
Choose to follow the Spirit. We talked about that last week, about being filled. Choose to follow the Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Bottom line of it is, we've got to want to do what is right. We've got to want it. And sadly, sometimes we just want to do what is wrong. We need to change our desires. So it comes through design, comes through desire. also comes through a third means. <laughs> it comes through discipline. A word not many of us like, I'll be honest. There are some people in this room today that have the freedom to run 15 miles right now. You say freedom? Yeah, they have the freedom. Because I'll tell you what, there are a bunch of us in this room that don't have the freedom to run 15 miles right now. You could go five steps, take a lot of breaths, do five more, take a lot of steps. But you don't have the freedom that someone else does who has disciplined their body to be able to run 15 miles. And that's what it took, right? It took lots of practicing. It took lots of work to get to the point that they have the freedom to do something that is good for them and something that they enjoy. The same is true in our lives. We talk about spiritual disciplines. We practice spiritual disciplines because they give us the freedom to do what we cannot do naturally. Matthew Kelly, in talking about the the discipline of fasting, says, Fasting helps us to turn our backs on the lesser version of ourselves and embrace the best version of ourselves. It's amazing that when I choose to fast from food, when I choose to say no to food, I find that bleeds over into other areas of my life, that I'm able to be disciplined in those areas as well. So we discipline ourselves. By design, uh, just be a believer. By desire, wanting to do what is right. And by discipline, training ourselves to say no, we can experience the freedom God wants. You know, if you poke around Facebook, everyone's smiling. You see the kids doing this. We old, we old people don't do this one. I don't know why. We'll have to try it this afternoon just to bug them. <laughs> They'll type the words, truth is. And all of a sudden, all their friends will start binging in on it, you know, telling truth. Truth is. Here's the truth, okay? Truth is, there are many days I don't feel very free from sin. I have a lot of days that I feel like I am in shackles. I don't feel very free from sin. But you know what? That's not the truth. That's not the truth. What I feel is not the truth. What we read today is the truth. You know, the whole time I was preparing for this uh, message, I kept having a movie scene going over and over and over and over in my head. A movie scene of a person who seemed to be very much in bondage, <laughs> and then words came out of his mouth that, that you'd never have expected to come out of his mouth. You're probably familiar with it. We're going to hit the lights and and watch this. The prisoner wishes to say a word.
Here's a guy that wanted so desperately for his nation to be free. He wanted it. He could taste it. He desired their freedom. What happens? He gets captured. He gets tied to a cross. He gets tortured. He has guards over him. Uh, they're literally got, his, got him slit open, and they're pulling his guts out. I don't know about you, but at that moment, William Wallace did not look very free. He didn't look very free. His circumstances did not look like those that came out of his mouth. Freedom. Freedom. I, I'm watching this scene, and I'm thinking, that's the way I feel some days when it comes to sin feel tied down, bound. The guards are over me. But the truth is what comes out of my mouth. Freedom. I have freedom from sin in Christ. I wonder sometimes when we're tempted, if it wouldn't pay off to just go ahead and yell it out. Freedom. I'm free from this thing. I don't have to do this thing. I can say no to this thing. I am truly free. Again, if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. That's the objective truth of the word of God. Not your feelings, not your experience. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You got to keep going back to what the Bible says. And Romans 6 says it unquestionably. We are free. If we trust in Christ as our forgiver and leader, we are free. And so I want you to take your card out because I want to bring you to a question that I'd like you to answer in writing as a way of just making a commitment to God and thinking this thing through a little bit more deeply. If the truth of Romans 6 is that I am free from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the pressure of sin, what is keeping me from being able to look Jesus in the eyes today and say with confidence, I'm free? What's holding you back? What is holding you back today from believing the truth of what is written? Why are you struggling with just being able to say, I'm free today? I'll give you a minute to think about it, to write your answer, talk to God about it. God, too often we believe the, uh, the lies of the enemy. The lies that say you're bound. You have to do this. You have no choice. You don't have the power to say no. Just go ahead and live in what is wrong. Help us to adjust our thinking today. Help us today, God, to see what your word says and to live up to it rather than being stuck in this state of believing that our feelings or our experience are the truth. They are not. They're lies from the enemy. We want to be able to look you in the eyes and say with confidence, I am free. I am free. And because I'm free, I'm going to live like it. I'm going to live like I'm free, like a person who is no longer a slave of sin. I am free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Free. 